Tonight's episode is dedicated to the life and legacy of Chianti Tiki Jackson Harpool. The 51-year-old moved easily from the streets of her native Baltimore, where she once worked as a social worker helping the homeless and drug addicted, to a political fundraiser in the city with her husband of 12 years. She worked for her neighbor, Baltimore City State's Attorney Marilyn Mosby, and completed a six-month program at the International Culinary Center in New York before starting a home business called Chianti's Chocolates. gentlemen boys and girls he she them or they and everyone who falls in between welcome back to another week of quarantine nightly tonight is monday may the 18th 2020 and we are still alive thank god um shout out to my team as always today is a very special episode why because kicking it with us on the couch tonight is someone i'm a huge fan of the PJ Morton from New Orleans. He'll be kicking it with us on the couch tonight. Also, I have my homegirl, Naima Cochran, um, culture and music writer and former music exec. But y'all might know on Twitter for having the sermons, the Sunday sermons. Um, She'll be kicking it with me. uh, Just a few to break down that Luda and Nelly battle. Um, But before any of that, I have to thank my team. Shout out to my writers, just Latasha and Dez. Shout out to my amazing engineer, Rel, and shout out to my creative and design team, Che Mills and LeVan Wright, for keeping everything all looking good. Um, and what's a hero without his theme music? I, for one, never want to know. So shout out to Call Me Bari of callmebari.com. Now, let's get into the news from my ghetto point of view. After researchers have studied over 400 cannabis strains, scientists at the University of Lethbridge are concentrating on about a dozen they say have the most potential to help prevent the virus. When asked about the ratio of THC it would take to prevent the virus from attaching to a host, a scientist said, I don't even know, bro. I'm not feeling anything yet. When we asked another, he just rocked in a corner while crying and asked if he was going to die. The experiment has yet to be tested on humans to confirm whether or not this is a viable solution. However, we did ask the black communities who are being most affected by the pandemic, and they answered with a collective, (laughs) oh, no, mm-mm. See, black people are the best at so many things. Entertainment, sports, pop culture. I mean, we're so competitive that we even lead in jail time for marijuana charges and COVID infection. I can't wait to see the first commercial for this treatment. If you want to avoid catching corona, you have to be a stoner. Moving on, Suzanne Morfu, a Colorado woman, vanished on Mother's Day, and her husband posted an emotional plea on Facebook saying he would do whatever it takes to get her back. He realized how much his wife meant to him when he couldn't remember his daughter's name, and now it's kind of an awkward time because it's a little too late to ask. He also says, Suzanne, you won. I'll give you the password to my phone and iPad. Just come back, please. The video was posted on the Facebook page, Find Suzanne Morphew, and contains the number to a dedicated tip line established by the Colorado Bureau of Investigation. This line was also filled with anonymous tips regarding strange, dangerous-looking thugs who were walking, running, and suspiciously minding their own business. In the days since she went missing, nearly 90 investigators have been looking for Morphew, using drones, scent dogs, and flyover missions. Daquan Williams, he also gave a statement saying, Hey, my wife went missing too and I haven't heard anything back. Hello? 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 Moving on. Two of President Donald Trump's top officials are pointing the finger at the administration's own scientists to explain the country's world-leading COVID-19 death toll. Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar suggested that underlying health conditions, including amongst minorities, were one reason of the high American death toll. Did our administration just, if you weren't on that damn phone, us... Azar told CNN, unfortunately, the American population is very diverse. We know, we know that this land is your land. We get it. He continues, African-American minority communities, particularly at risk here because of significant underlying health disparities. And that is an unfortunate legacy in our healthcare system that we certainly do need to address. Let's just say plain. We have a racist healthcare system. 
We asked black communities their thoughts on this, and they said in unison. And now to close out, I want to close out with something uplifting. Let's talk about some black magic. Uh, Timmy, Timmy Adekulan, an 18-year-old Nigerian, has become the first black valedictorian of South Broward High School in Hollywood, Florida, and has the highest GPA ever recorded at that school. This was the first start of the race war. He had to fight white people and black Americans. Timmy, who has a 5.604 GPA, said that although he was surprised to discover the news, School officials alerted him of his potentially history-making grades long before his senior year. He also jokingly admits that when he graduates, it most likely will be slightly higher. Timmy could have missed school for half the year and still graduated. Like, this is crazy because only a Nigerian could score over 100%. I mean, along with intellectual validation, Timmy also won a role in coming to America too. He'll actually be playing a Nigerian who thinks he's better than everyone else. Also in some black in some black joy, Lakeith Stanfield goes jogging for Ahmaud Arbery during his interview with Complex. The reporter says it was a tad difficult to connect with Lakeith during his workout, but was relieved that the actor was using his platform to bring awareness to racism. As someone who is familiar with being hunted by white people during a neighborhood stroll, Lakeith made sure he stood up for other black people who were unable to get out. Moving on in entertainment, Michelle Obama partners with MTV for a national virtual prom. That's right. We are going to get to see the first lady do the electric slide virtually, and she might even hit the, the Savage Challenge. You can't see it, but I just I just did one of the moves. I don't know if it looked good, but it, it, it probably didn't. Uh, also, moving on, uh, in quarantine made me say it this week, a Dollar Tree worker told a man he needed a mask. So he wiped his face on her shirt. If the man thought this kind of joke would be funny, unfortunately, he's a day late and a dollar short. Like, this is the most anticlimactic apocalypse imaginable. Like, I never thought my weapon during the purge would be the common cold. Well, like I told you guys, I had a special guest coming through to help me break down the the Nelly versus Luda versus battle. Um, So... Let's jump right into it. Um, and after this, you will be hearing from PJ Morton and myself. But Naima Cochran, help me out. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, he, she, them, or they, and all who may fall in between. So like I said, I have a good friend of mine, a actual industry insider, an expert, of course. You know, whenever we <laughs> discuss these versus battles, I want to make sure we're getting actual insight and input from those in the culture. So today, um, to discuss this Nelly versus Luda versus breakdown, I have entertainment and culture writer, former entertainment exec, Naima Cochran. Naima, what's going on? Hi. What's uh, up now? I'm all right. I can't complain. How's how's quarantine treating you? Um, I you know what? Comparatively speaking, I can't complain either. <laughs> My, my problems are small. <laughs> well, well, let's talk. What's, well, let's talk uh, about a big, big problem for Nelly this past week and his wi- oh my his God. Wi-Fi. Poor Nelly. What? What? Poor, poor Nelly. What is? What's the deal with this Wi-Fi and these celebrities? You know, I found out afterwards, and I had a suspicion, but um, Swiss and Tim apparently confirmed that at this point they're sending out kits to participants that have a rig you know, like a a Wi-Fi booster, et cetera. And I think that they've been trying to tell these folks best practices and some people just aren't listening and aren't paying attention. Um, In Nelly's case, I think there's something similar to what happened with Teddy the second time in the battle, which is that you're in your studio, which is maybe in a basement or it's in a soundproof room Mm. and your Wi-Fi signal is strong enough for you to get on the internet, but it's not strong enough for a live stream, which is an entirely different, different type. Thing. Gotcha. Yeah, and um, and I and I think that they're just underestimating what they need. So like, they might be testing on their own and everything is fine, but once you get on a dual stream, your joint starts glitching and doing all this other stuff. So, and there also apparently were really heavy thunderstorms, and people from St. Louis was telling me that St. Louis Wi-Fi is janky um, or St. Louis's cable provider is janky. So I think Nelly just had a bunch of factors working against them. But Luda, 
I actually felt bad for Luda because he was so frustrated <laughs> and he was really trying to cover it and he didn't uh, he didn't do a great job of it. He but, tried. Uh, he tried. He, he, he very tried. very stoic and very nice in the beginning, but I mean after a while. Yeah. You know, he brought the Chris Lover Lover energy, his old radio personality energy. You could tell he was, you know, ready to to make it, keep it moving and, and really keep it going. And Nelly was just killing the momentum. I actually had to just leave for a minute until they got it together and come back. All right. And I had secondhand embarrassment. <laughs> All right. Well, um, before we jump, jump into the, you know, the, the, the actual battle itself, what was your connection mm -hmm. to the Nelly Ludacris era of music, those early 2000 days? <laughs> So by that time, in 2000, I was at Arista Records. Um, and then a couple of years later, I left and I was working for um, a woman named Jessica Rosenblum, who is kind of a noted party promoter, music industry party promoter vet in NYC. And she used to have a bunch of pop and weeklies. So it was a heavy, um, it was a heavy time of being outside for me. But it's not my favorite era of hip hop because I was grown, grown. So, um, but it's a very nostalgic era of hip hop. Mm. So I was really just looking for, like, I can't say that I ever go back and put Luda and Nelly music on by choice, but if I happen to hear it, it's like, okay. <laughs> um, but if I happen to hear it, it's like, cool, but I don't go back and be like, yo, I haven't listened to Luda. I haven't listened to Chicken and Beer in a minute. Let me throw that on. No, I don't actually do that. <laughs> what, what were the hits that stood out for you? Give me, give me a hit that stood out for you that you forgot about from Nelly and one from Luda. So from Luda, I knew that Luda's secret weapon was going to be features because he, I, I knew he had a, gang of them i forgot that luda was on the major look remix mm. totally forgot and when he dropped that i said oh shit out loud in my apartment because i was <laughs> like yo i le i legit forgot about that um and i forgot that he was on the they know remix with you know with, with, with uh, shorty low too shorty low, yeah. with shorty low so i'm like okay you just those those back to back that was like a, a sniper shot like how you how that's one of the biggest songs on east coast and one of the biggest songs out so it's like how do you come back from that with nelly i forgot how many bad boy affiliated joints he had and i definitely didn't feel like he needed to play all of them <laughs> um <laughs> i had like the Nasty Girl, Bad Boys. Like, I forgot that whole Biggie album even existed. Like, I just wiped it from my mind because I didn't really appreciate it, and I still don't. So I was just like, is that really? And Luda was being generous. He was like, they still play that in the club today. Do they, Luda? I don't think they play that. Yeah. Uh, um, I want to discuss a few rounds that stuck out to me. Um, mm -hmm. Particularly, what's your fantasy against country, uh, country grammar? I call it the bat. That was the round of the kick, the kick doors. Like those were two beats that yeah. I felt like kind of opened up with a kick to the door. Also, it was them kicking their way into the charts and the industries, and you know what became the hearts and minds of fans uh, all over the world. How did what, what? What was your takeaway from that battle? And who'd you give that round to? Um, that round was probably the hardest round for me, aside from where the party at and yeah, those two were the hardest rounds for me. Um. With that one, I had to give it to Country Grammar because what's your fantasy is cool. And like, I don't know anybody who actively disliked it, but Country Grammar grabbed hold of you. Like you could not not pay attention to it. Um, you couldn't get away from it no matter where you were. And and I think it was just, I think it was a much bigger shift um, than, than what your fantasy was. Mm. Um, and then... When we go just a little further down, um, a, a tough one for me was Splash Waterfalls versus My Place. I think My Place is a, is a slept on Nelly record, uh, the one with Jaheem. Um, Splash Waterfalls, obviously, um, we all know there's the multiple, well, there's the two versions, one with, um, you know, Raphael Sadiq. So I think that has nostalgia right. to it. Who'd you give that round to? I gave that one to Splash just for the to Splash just for the very reason you said it's a it's a more familiar record. Um, even if you're a casual fan, you know that record. Um, mm -hmm. And I and I think that's important in these battles. Is you know you could pull out your slept on joints and your deep cuts, but but I think this is about what people remember and what resonates with people. So I think that that just for for familiarity alone, I had to give that one to Splash. 
And lastly, before I let you get out of here, um, mm -hmm. in discussing the, the the actual rounds, um, pussy popping versus tip drill. What's your takeaway on that? And who did you give I, that round to? I 100% agree. People affiliate tip drill with BT. Like whenever anybody talks about BT Uncut, the very first video they reference is tip drill. They are synonymous. They go together. They're married. It's, it's you know, in, in the annals of history, it's always going to be that you associate Tip Drill with BET Uncut. And BET Uncut itself is just such a moment um, that I don't think anybody really likes the Tip Drill song. I didn't remember what the Tip Drill song sounded like. I could tell you what the video looked like, you know? So it's like, um, so I do think that that one, again, it's a, it's, the thing about Versus is that it really is a nostalgia thing. Like, it's not always about the better song. It's about the bigger, it's about the bigger moment the song created. So, you know, hit, Hits is, is subjective in the sense of the Versus battle. And I think that's where some artists get it wrong when they're stacking their songs. Mm. It's like, which song is really going to make people be like, oh, yes, I remember this. That was my joint. Or this, I associate this with this. So you're right. Tip Drill in itself is not the strongest song. But, but because of the video and because of people's affiliation with, association with Tip Drill to that whole BET Uncut moment and Nelly setting it up, properly that way as well that's why tip drill won even though we couldn't even hear it because his wi-fi was also mm -hmm. in the battle um if, <laughs> if 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 uh if versus is a tournament who does Ludacris mm -hmm. move on to who, who does he move on to go against luda goes to lil john mm. which lil john is gonna win if 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 John takes turned down for what out of his damn lineup. <laughs> Naima, I thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Thank and, you, um, Mouse. I hope that we can catch up um, some some other time soon um, on Quarantine yes. Nightly or whatever the rendition will be because um, I think this is good for the culture and I hope that these verses and things that it, we keep having these cultural moments where our voices need to be highlighted and heard. Oh, yeah. I've loved the conversation. If nothing else, I've loved the conversation that verses has brought back up. We're not talking about chart numbers and streaming numbers anymore. We're actually going back to talking about music and catalog, and I, I love that. Naima Cochran, thank you so much. Thank you, Mouse. I appreciate Talk to you, you soon. All right, bye. Huge thanks to Naima Cochran for taking some time out to help me break down the Nelly versus Luda versus battle. Um, shout out to her and everything she has going on. And shout out to my team, as always. Guys, that is the news and my ghetto point of view. If I miss something, please let me know. Email me at quarantinenightly at gmail.com before 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's quarantinenightly at gmail.com before 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time so I could read it on air. Also, make sure you guys subscribe, rate, and comment. Right now, whatever you're doing, keep it doing it. But go swipe out, go to the podcast, leave a comment, subscribe. Five stars preferably, leave a rating. All right, and we're about to go pay a bill or three. And when we come back from that break, I will be sitting on the couch with PJ Morton. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, he, she, them, or they, and everyone who falls in between, welcome back to your favorite nightly news podcast, Quarantine Nightly with Mouse Jones. Like I told you at the top of the show, we have a special guest coming, someone I'm a huge fan of, and I know you are too. We have PJ Morton. PJ, welcome to the couch. How are you? Yes, sir. I'm good, man. Good, good to be here talking to you, bro. How you? How are you holding up in this quarantine? Man, I'm doing all right, actually. Um, I just had to uh, adjust to being a, a third grade teacher. <laughs> but besides <laughs> that, <laughs> besides that, I, I'm good, man. I, I had kind of, you know, I didn't realize it until we just had to stop. But I was just nonstop for about three years, man. So uh, I kind of welcomed sitting down just for a minute and, and being able to be with family and all of that. And um yeah, so so I'm 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 doing all right, as as good as I can be. Let me ask you this, uh, because you you said that, and a lot of the the people I've had a chance to talk to over the past two weeks since this show started, um, we all come from off, we all come, we all are coming off the road. Like it's not like, um, mm -hmm. we were homebodies or whatever we did in our jobs kept us home. We were on the road. Is that right. a hard um? I, I was in the military one time, so it was kind of a hard of adjustment not being in. Do you type of, do you have that, I don't want to say PTSD, but the type of feeling where you're like, 
kind of uncomfortable at home, like or uncomfortable not being on the road? Um, I mean, I am kind of like a road dog, you know, in the sense uh, that like when I'm home too long, I'm uh, I'm ready to get back on the road. But I think this time was more, it was different than any other time. This time I was just putting my head down and like getting it done. But mm. I was already kind of burnt. I was kind of burnt out. You know what I'm saying? Um, but because I was jumping between my solo tours and then like having a couple of days off and jumping on a maroon tour, right? Mm. Right when we we did this, I was in South America. So I think this time I'm like, all right, I'm cool. Like I needed to just chill, but but um usually. Yeah, I'm just a road. I can live on the road. Like I'm, I'm, you know. I mean, I got a family. <laughs> you know what I mean, I got a family that I that I love and cherish. But I, I am, I love, I love being on the road and playing for people and and, and seeing different places. You know, um, it's, it, it's it was my dream. It's what I've asked for. You know. Yeah, because I I have the feeling I I got two kids, and when I'm off the road, it's like I feel um I don't know. I I think the right word for me personally would be like. I kind of feel like I'm in the way, right? Like I feel like mm-hmm. I feel like when we have those pockets of where I'm on the road and I come home for a few days, that's where I fit in. And then when I'm mm-hmm. here too long, if I'm here over those three to four days, I'm like, oh man, what? Right, because it's not the norm. Yeah, and and also, it's like you're. We also, I mean, we're earning obviously in other ways, but we're not earning, right? Our, my bread and mm-hmm. butter it comes from being on that road, being in front of these stages, hosting trap karaoke and these other uh, uh, these other events. At home, mm-hmm. I'm doing this. I'm I'm sitting in my little home studio recording my nightly news podcast from like Word. sun up to sundown, and it's like it it doesn't it doesn't hit the same. So, what have you found mm-hmm. to occupy your time? Um. Well, uh, before this, believe it or not, I didn't have my studio in the crib, so I, I um I, I would go to work. You know, when I was at home, I would go to the studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so one of those things, but I, I did have an office at the house that I just didn't use it that way. So I moved everything over here and that's kind of, but, uh, it's kind of new for me because I, I haven't had the studio at home. Um, so doing that, um, and like I said, you know, <laughs> I, I'm homeschooled into the fullest, like, <laughs> like, like. Like they got me working for real. Uh, I and understand. listen, like I, 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 do, I do feel like this is super real, but I, I do feel like it was time too for me to sit down just because of the kids too. You know, like I felt like, uh, uh, cause I've been busy before. Like, like I said, it was a different level of busy. Like it was a, it was a, I'll see you one day. I know even this year, cause I had to cancel like three tours. Um, I, we were, we were scheduling in like, all right, I'm, I'm gonna see you this week. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm a, absolutely have, like it was. It was crazy. So, so that's really what has been taking my time. And like you said, an adjustment because the the oddball out is me being at home. It, you right, know, it's right, like right. what you doing? Right. What you doing here, man? You're not usually here. You know, so part of this time has just been readjusting to being in it, around here. You know, for for a longer period of time. Um, so. Uh, that that's really what's been filling my time more than anything. And like, you know, I, I just been putting the energy into that because I know it won't always be that way. You know, I have to get back to work at some point. So I'm just trying to, you know, use this up and really, you know, uh, make the best of it and the most of it. How's the adjustment in, in regards to, you know, uh, you and your wife, like what's the adjustment like being home now? Like, are you relearning? Are you guys re-meeting each other for the first time? How's that? Well, see, the difference between us is we, we, we had like, we had rules on, on how long before I would bring her out, you know? Okay. Um, so, so we, we, we stay, we stay locked in, um, more. That's why I felt bad for the kids because when they were in school and all of that, they can't, they can't just hop on a plane and come to a concert and right. be on the road for a few days. My wife was in, is, was in South America with me right when we had to rush back here. So, so we've done a pretty good job of like being in each other's space. Um, so that hasn't been as much of an adjustment than just the the house as a whole with the with the kids seeing me wake up every morning at at home. You know, <laughs> it's just different. Uh, um, yeah. so let's 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 get off quarantine because oh, who uh-huh. we we here? That's our reality. Um, right for for the I know the the, the people like myself who are huge fans of you and and 
probably don't get to hear you on podcasts or things of that nature. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about how you started in the church because you hear this story or you see this story in like movies or you hear about it like third party. But mm-hmm. how how does it, how how is that transition from being the son of a prominent pastor? I mean, your dad mm-hmm. is is super huge in, in the gospel world in the Christian world, and then you are you're, you're traveling with him, playing the organ for him. And then you make the switch, or not the switch, I say, but you then mm-hmm. put your focus into Maroon Five and the secular world. How, what was that like? Um, I mean, it, it was a it was a big challenge initially. I mean, I started I started writing R and B music when I was like sixteen. I mean, for other artists, you know, um, and I could never quite wrap my head around why I was wrong, you know, because, uh, you know, I'm like my, my, you know, and my dad and I end up writing this book called, why can I sing about love? My dad did the foreword and in, in the foreword, he said, you know, I, I, I was wrong. You know, I was wrong. I was taught wrong. And, and, you know, he didn't listen to amazing grace when he was like courting my mother, you know, like that, that there, there needs to be, you know, God created, um, uh, all these different things, five fingers on a hand, you know, so we mm-hmm. can't just be talking about Jesus all day. Um, and you know, you, you, you're not going to really be able to sustain a relationship that way. So I think the, the, the landscape should be balanced as well. Um, so initially it was a challenge. There was some pushback, uh, from my family initially. Um, this was super young. That right. was uh, like my training ground. They beat me up. So I was ready once <laughs> I came out into the world. Uh, because once I convinced them that this was just purpose for me, you know, and like, I wanted to talk about more than just God. Um, and once they saw it wasn't a rebellious thing, like I wasn't the one who was mad at the church and all of that. And I felt like I had to rebel. I just smoothly trans transitioned over, but my family was the first challenge. Then my, once my pops was with me, I really honestly didn't care about anybody else. Like nobody's opinion mattered once he supported me. Um, that kind of empowered me. So then when, when I publicly came out doing like R&B music and stuff, um, then like the church backlash came and I'm like, you know, this, I was already prepared for it because my family, we went through it internally. Mm -hmm. Um, so I didn't really care. And it was, for me, it was more about trying to educate and, and, and empower people as opposed to like fighting and battling them, you know, with saying secular, secular is wrong, you know. The devil's music and all of that. <laughs> it was more about me showing them how it could be done in a balanced way, and and you can still uh, maintain who you are as a person, which um, is heard through throughout the music. Yeah. Like it's Word. it's not it's no it's no secret where you come from when you listen to these when you listen to these songs. You listen to the arrangements you use, the the riffs. Like yeah. it, it's no. I mean, I, I guess we'll forever will forever be uh, questioning that. It will forever be at that precipice with certain older minds. Um, uh-huh. So, so yeah. how, how, how did you get on, how did you get into Maroon 5? Um, well, Maroon 5 was um, like some years after I had been doing my solo career and like was a songwriter and mm-hmm. everything. And um, I was actually on a tour uh, on a solo tour for one of my albums, this album "Walk Alone." This was 2010. And, oh wait, um, so oh wow, maybe I'm a maybe I'm a terrible fan. So emotion, what? so emotions and walk that they all came before Maroon Five. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a, yeah, I'm a terrible emo- fan. It, uh, no, it's all good. <laughs> emotions, live in L.A., walk alone, all of that was pre Maroon, and uh, so I was kind of established on the indie underground mm-hmm, scene, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but, uh, I got this call from, from my guy, Adam Blackstone. He's a, um, uh, a music director, um, uh, to the stars and, and, uh, Maroon apparently had wanted Quest Love and them to, uh, well, no, Quest Love himself to come in and, and be a music director, um, to, to help put their show together, you know, just give it a different vibe. Yes. And, um, 2010 was the same time they just had gotten Fallon. Um, so they were just locked up, just trying to figure that out. And, uh, he, uh, uh, Amir, um, recommended my friend Adam and they told Adam they were looking for the a keyboard player that could sing. He was like, Oh, I only know one dude, like who really, you know what I'm saying? And, um, so he called me. I was on a tour. I was on that tour and I'm like, he wanted me to come out to LA. I'm like, I canceled like the last two or three shows of my tour 
and went to LA and um was my first audition in my life. Mm. And um we just we just vibed, man. I kind of knew when I was in the room, I knew that it was it was the right fit, you know. And um well they had other auditions uh <laughs> that that I guess it was a guy after me. They didn't tell me this until I was in the band for a couple years, but they had a they had a guy uh after me and they had auditions the next day and they 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 the guy was already there so they said they saw him and they canceled the joints the next day. Um so it was just locked in the way I felt is the way they felt and mm-hmm. here we are almost 10 years later man it's been it's it's been a ride. And now that you could put in perspective emotions and yes. walk up, all that stuff was first. Yes. So Maroon was like in the middle and kind of like gave me new life, you know? Mm. Um, and like get, just, just, um, really I learned so much. It's like being in school, being in this band because it's like everything I want to shoot for or, or that I thought I wanted to shoot for is I'm experiencing it all, you know? Um, so it's, it's been, a, it, it's been crazy. So, so at, like I said, I will, I will take, I will fall on my sword so, so for being such a terrible <laughs> right. fan. Cause I definitely, in my mind, I definitely thought it was the other way. So, okay. so let me ask I'll you your, it. your, let me ask you your mindset as a, a upcoming, uh, upcoming artist at that time who was big on underground at any point, mm-hmm. are you getting frustrated before Maroon 5 or are you just, are yeah. you just happy with the success you're receiving? So, 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 so I had some, some success as a songwriter at that time and a producer. Um, I was with Jermaine Dupree before, before that and, um, and, and was doing records with him. And, uh, and I had, like I said, the underground, you know, uh, I had a nice following. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But, but, but this was three records in, right? So Mm -hmm. I did emotions and then I did a live album. Then I, so I was kind of feeling like the venues that I started at when it was, when it was hype at first and it was hot and it, I was brand new to some people, um, that had kind of plateaued, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Which is, uh, so I was in a place where I'm like, man, I, I need to do something else. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and I got that call right kind of when I needed it, which is why I was even willing to postpone yes. these concerts yes. that I had. You know what I'm saying? I was open to that. Uh, when I normally probably wouldn't be, but I, it was at a point where I kind of needed a lifeline at, at that point in my career where it's like, cause I always like to, I said, you know, as long as I'm moving forward, I'm happy. But when, if it slows or if it, if it just, uh, stalls, you know what I'm saying? Which I felt like that was one of the stalls in my life. Um, I, you know, I got to make sure I, I can always pivot, you know, and do something else. Now, you know, our people, black people, we could be rough. We could be, mm-hmm. we could be a little bullheaded. Um, mm-hmm. Was there any kickback or pushback from your core fan base when you joined a, a well, I was gonna say predominantly, but a all white band? Um, to be honest, not really. People, people, uh, you know. Thankfully, Maroon was like one of the cool ones, right? Because like this love and like mm-hmm. those some of those yeah, early yeah, records, they, they had broken. They had kinda, broken. Yeah, and, the black yeah. people liked them a little mm-hmm. bit. So, and like, then they was on Kanye's record. They, they, yeah, they, yeah, exactly. Adam was on Kanye's. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, so it was a little credibility there. Um, and I think the main thing was they saw, uh, I didn't change. Well, I, I think because I put out a mixtape right after, maybe as a marketing guy in my mind, I'm like, let me make sure they know that I'm not changing, you know, <laughs> right, just right. because I'm in this band. So I put a mixtape out soon after that. I probably got more backlash because in the same year, 2010 or like the right at the beginning of 2011, is when I signed the Young Money, and I think I got more backlash for that than joining Maroon Five, because uh, <laughs> they was like, "What now? Now we don't know what you're doing. Like, <laughs> like now we're confused. Uh, we understand that you're in this band, but like you now you're signing your solo, your soul PJ Soul R&B to Young Money. I think it was more confusion about that move. Um, but I didn't really get any backlash from the Maroon Five thing, mm. not that I remember. Yeah. Now we got we got to talk about you know not that I have you here. Like I said, I'm, I'm such a fan, so they they gonna mm-hmm. have to deal with it. Usually, <laughs> you know, usually <laughs> I'm able to compose myself and be like, well, what about Tuesday? No, no, no. We <laughs> they gonna have to hear about the shit I want to hear about today. Uh, <laughs> that's <what's up. laughs> um, we got to talk about Gumbo. We got to talk about Paul, and, and yes. we we have to talk about the way you seamlessly go like you seamlessly release these studio albums that 
we, we immediately fall in love with. And then right after that, you give us these live albums that we fall in love with these 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 albums even more. What's the Word. thought process going into that, obviously, without giving away all your magic? Yeah, well, no, what really happens is, you know, because I've always reimagined my songs, like, uh, you know, especially once we get on the road. The road is where we really know what these songs are. Mm-hmm. This is where we really know what songs work. It's where you really know what, what you know, what's a, a good song for real or was it good because of the production, you know, all of that stuff. So what happens with me, um, like with, with Gumbo specifically, because Gumbo, I was kind of like, you know, I was d- going to be done after Gumbo as far as like recording solo music. And what happened was we got those two Grammy nominations on Gumbo. And I'm like, just me knowing now, because I had been nominated a couple of times, lost, you know. Uh, I got super comfortable with losing, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, we, well, I, I knew, I mean, in my heart, I'm like, man, okay, Gumbo could win. That first year, um, we were up for those two and I'm like, let's do, uh, cause we had been on the road for a year now, maybe a year and a half. And, um, and I saw what was happening at these shows. And then when I write those songs, you know, when I record them, I'm just I'm just getting to know those songs. You right, know what I'm saying? Right, like right. I'm, I'm just they're just being introduced to me. I'm trying to bring them across as the best I can. But after a year singing them every night, I know those songs. Like I know them in a different way. I know they they become they they turn into something else a little bit um, based on what the audience is doing, based on um, what I'm knowing works and whatnot. And just being the live show performer that I am and how that's one of my main things. Um, I said, man, people don't know Gumbo yet. We got the nominations. Great look. But let's do a live album, Grammy Weekend, you know, while we're nominated for these and kind of show them what we've been doing for the rest of the year. And I did it. Honestly, I thought it was just going to give me a, a couple, you know, whether I won or lost the Grammy. It'll give me a couple of more months of touring, you know, a few more months of touring, just this new project that mm-hmm. I was packaging. And it kind of be it, it kind of t- took on of a life a life of its own and became, you know, more popular than the, than the original gumbo. And, uh, that I let's not be blasphemous. Let's, let's not be blasphemous. <laughs> hey, those, I'm with to, you. To those of I'm us who've you. been there, I understand right, some people you. met you through the live gumbo <laughs> as for somebody yeah. who was there. Let's, let's not be blasphemous. <laughs> um, but yeah, what I do want to talk about the, 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 to, to that point that you just said, Mm-hmm. There's never been a time where I looked at a song from uh, from a, coming from a um, a studio album to a live album. There's never been a time where I actually looked at a song like, what do, do I know this song? Mm. I think you know what I'm talking yeah. about when, when we talk about uh, Go Through Your Phone. Yeah. Like yeah, how? Yeah. How? I just got to know. Just for me. Just for yeah. me. Um, <laughs> how, how do you even morph that? Because the song was so... The song in the studio... Um, was so well done. Super it was, it was beat, super yeah. trap. It was boom, boom, and it got to the point. And also, it was very timely, right? Like, you, yeah. it, which I love about your writing because you're always able to weave together real life uh, mm-hmm. relatability, but then put it in such a way where you're still like, nah, I can't do what he did with his voice. So, you know, I just got to be a fan. So, how did you <laughs> then, be, once you already did that, how did you take it to another plateau? Again, that to to me that was that was live. I'm like we playing, and you know, on the record, yes. I, I, I say I'm a looker. Wait, Wait. I just say it. I say it real subtly. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not even real. It's not even real prominent on the studio record. But once we start doing it live, and the whole audience was screaming at me, I'm a looker. What? It just became. It became like it's like a fan phrase. It's like a hit. Yeah. It's a hit mm-hmm. in the in, at the concert. Absolutely, like, absolutely. That might as well be a hit record. Like everybody in the building is singing it. So it kind of made me like I, I I adjusted to that, you know, from the live perspective, and we just made it hit a different way. And, and now, man, that that joint. <laughs> you see, like if somebody don't know what's going on and they see me perform, go through your phone, they're gonna be like, what? What am I missing? Literally. Like, how, what, was this on the radio? Like, how, you know what I'm saying? Literally. Um, yeah, it, it became more, way, way more special live. Um, and then the last thing about, uh, Gumbo, uh, um, do, is that truly how you feel? Is that, is that truly how you feel? Cause the, the nigga in me gotta know. Like, yeah, is that really actually, how you feel? Yeah. See, I think that's some super, super grown man right there. I, like, I agree. Put, 
You know what I mean? Like that's that's some super grown man. Like as long as we happy and like I'm happy and you're doing everything you need to do, man, God forbid, like cuz that's going to have to that's going to mess up the whole thing. And right. I do feel and I do feel like if if it gets bad enough, like I'll just know, you know, like I it'll 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 come to me however it does, but I'm certainly not going to look for it to expedite that. Like I'm happy, like I'll that's all I need to be is happy. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it's actually how I feel. No lie. Yeah. I think the the line that <laughs> the line that stays with me is two lines. It's um, it's I could go somewhere and try to start over again. Yeah, we but don't it's not do that. what I want. Yeah, I don't want to lose you my best friend. What? Yeah, when you invested, that's real. Like I said, that's grown. Like like that's grown man, grown man. It took me maybe young P wouldn't say that, but like. Yeah, I'm like, man, it's too much time. I'm not. I don't even feel like restarting. I'm on the road too much. I'm like, (laughs) like, I don't don't even know who's gonna be genuine or not. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to restart. I'm good, you know. And then obviously the the other line that that sticks with me is, uh, I'd rather keep living in my daydream, keep thinking that things are just what they seem. Ignorance is bliss, man. Oh my goodness, you took the words right out of my. That's literally <laughs> how I feel because everybody yeah. around me, every platform, they know I enjoy some toxicity, and, and mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. But if I'm in love, come on, don't yeah. come on, don't mess it up and let me find yeah, out. Yeah, let me just let, let me just be in that. Let me just dream. Let me just be in that. Uh, yep. Before before I let you before I let you go, you know, the fan in me, I got to ask about Paul. Um, mm-hmm. did you know what you were doing with Paul? Like, did you know? Like at that point, had you set the blueprint and precedent with um with Gumbo and then Gumbo Live, so you knew that you were gonna release a project that is super like you talk about a project that is well done. You talk about a project that speaks to social narratives. You talk about a project that I think any fan of music got everything they wanted. You we well, got we got a re, we got a, a reimagining. That's what I call what you do. Like we got a reimagining yeah. of yearning for your love. Then we got. You know, we got the, the the album opens up, and it's we got Angela. Then you had Angela Rye. You had the 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 message and and throw. You had the message to Nipsey. Like, did you know Word. what you were doing with this project going going into it? I mean, that's just where I was. Paul was actually, um, it was an experiment, and this is the first time I ever went back that quick with some original music. Yeah, like, I, we I, know. Yeah, yeah. I usually <laughs> take my time with new records, you know. So like. But but I was just in such a rhythm. This is the first time in my life, like my whole life, where I was in such a rhythm that I'm like, I think I'm ready to go back in. And everybody was like, all right, well, let's go. Because it, it just was a different energy. And maybe it was me um, waiting my whole life for this point in my career, you know, where, where it's like, man, finally. And I got here being myself, too. Like, I didn't have to because I could have, you know. I had the song "Lover" with Lil Wayne on on, yes, uh, yes. on, on that on that Young Money album mm-hmm. and certain. And I, I you know, I've never made any music that I can't sleep and sleep at night with. You know, I'm wow. I'm proud of everything I've ever made. But I know that I was in my head being strategic on that record. You know, like let me see if this works. I wanted radio so bad. I'm like, let me do something that that will work on radio. Let me blah blah blah. And Gumbo was. That was my give up record. Like, all right, here y'all go. This is me all the way. I'm out anyway. So, so <laughs> once once I start going on this run, being myself, I'm like, well, I, I'm still feel creative. I think I used to feel depleted after yeah, these records yeah. because I was just working so hard, trying so hard. You know, um, which is the opposite that you want to be doing. You don't want to be trying. You want to be letting this happen organically. So we went right back in with Paul, man. And and to be honest, I, like fully honest. No, not no fake humility right here. When no Grammy, the Grammy nominations came at, with at three again. I was like, this is like, this is crazy. Like, I just, I just didn't see all of that coming. Uh, so, so me and my mind reimagining these songs. I'm like, well, look, I, I had done the T- Terrell show. Mm-hmm. Um, and people saw me with just on piano mm-hmm, and like, mm-hmm. I, I would do these. Shout out little, to Terrell Grice too. Yeah, Amazing platform sure. that he had. That he yeah, has man. He's done, he's done a great thing. I, I, I sent some extra love after that because I'm like, man, these are fans that I had, but they just paid attention in a different way mm-hmm. with him. He's got the ability to make people pay attention to singers. And, um, I, I, I would do these Instagram posts with me just on piano. Everybody would say I want a piano record. So after Paul, 
after the um the the Grammy nods and stuff, just take stand. I'm like, well, let's let me give you this. Well, we break it down and put a bunch of friends in a room at the studio, did the piano album straight through, and um, that's been perfect, you know, for for this time too. Like, cause it's laid back and it's a, another type of reimagining. But I, I like to say it was genius, and I just had this plan. But it's just, I, I just, I'm I'm a person that really moves by my gut. You know, it's like, all right, whatever I'm feeling. And, 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 you know, part, part of that is easy because I'm independent, right? And I've been independent for a long time. So I can move how I want to mm. move when I want to move. You know, I don't have to wait to get on schedule at a, at a, at a in one of the buildings, you know, or <laughs> yeah, one right, of the right, labels. Right, right, I don't right. have to get on schedule. It's like, no, nah, I'm ready to go right now. And then I can do that, you know? So, so that's been a blessing too, man. Well, listen, I, this has been a, a, a dream come true. I tell people all the time, this, this, uh, this platform I've created for myself, just as a host and 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 a podcaster, it 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 literally has given me the opportunity to, um, at times become befriend people I'm fans of, and sometimes just like this, like a, just a moment where I get to speak to somebody I've been a fan for a fan of for years, and and just give right. you your flowers and allow other fans to to hear this because like we don't typically hear that when we don't typically hear you on, on on these platforms which i think is such a dope thing right where it's yeah. just like yeah like i'm I'm not gonna talk just take the music um so it right, makes these right. moments where some some people feel like you said you're not on the label so you don't have to be you don't have to be in the the press run market and that whole thing so it's very genuine uh-huh. when these conversations happen so for like i said at the beginning i want to thank you for your time um and energy and your works and before you get out of here i got one uh-huh. question i want you to answer well, let me say thank you first and, uh, you know, and, and for you to be meeting the people that you admire and, be, and being able to befriend them just means that you're you're doing something right and doing what you're supposed to be doing, man. So so shout out to you. Thank you. Um, and, and thank you for having me. For of sure. course. Of course. Uh, but, and I'm going to be in New, I'm, New Orleans, like uh, my third, second home. So I'm OK. I'm going to tell Bridget. I'm going to be like, Yo, oh, shout out to Bridget Kelly for making this happen. Uh, Bridget yeah, Kelly. Shout me. out to BK. Shout out she to got, BK. She, that's the dog. Like, that's my yeah, homie yeah. right there. So <laughs> I seen she was on a card with you and I was like, I'm like, yo, Bridge, you know I don't ask for nothing, but I need this one, Bridge. <laughs> That's and how she, she came to. She was like, this is my real friend. Like, <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Get it done. Not you. She just it did me that solid. So I'm like, of course. Of Shout course. out Bridget Kelly. Th- and stream everything Bridget Kelly got going as well, as, as well as PJ. Yes. So before you get out of here, I want you mm-hmm. to answer this one question. Because this is how I really look at it, right? Mm-hmm. Let's fast forward five years. The PJ Morton Award goes to who? The PJ Morton Award goes to mm-hmm. like like what you mean? Like as like, an artist? Or? Like as an artist. Like somebody like I think in five years there'll be a PJ Morton Award. Mm-hmm. And it'll and it'll be go oh, wow. to it'll go to singers uh who are yeah. also who also play an instrument, who also give these experiences when with music. Like I think you deserve that in the I think you deserve at the least you deserve that for your contributions Word. to to music. You, man. So so um, no, I well, I think the PJ Morton Award would go to the disruptors. Mm. Um, you know, um, I, I just believe in being disruptive. You know, mm-hmm, I've mm-hmm. always gone against what was what was happening, and and just tried to be an individual. Um, and I'm drawn to individuals. You know what I'm saying? I'm drawn drawn to the people who are disruptive. Um, so if there's any legacy, if there's ever a PJ Morton Award, I definitely wanted to go to somebody who's being disruptive and and shaping and changing things for the better by by being disruptive, you know, um, and, and inspiring others to be their their disruptive selves, you know. Um, uh, so that's that's definitely how I feel for sure. Well, PJ, please don't ever stop. I know you said you was about to stop, but yeah, stay word. with, stay with us, stay, word. stay with pivot, us. Pivot, 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 I might pivot. I never stop. Okay, yeah. all right. And when I get to New Orleans, let's uh, let's let's hit uh, New Orleans. Um, what's what's that? What's that spot I like down there? Um, New Which Orleans, se- New Orleans seafood and um, and spirits. Oh yeah, now I gotta give. We go. I got. I'm gonna bring you to the real spot. Bring you to the real spot. Say, I got you. Say less. Uh, PJ Morton, I appreciate you. Uh, quarantine yes, nightly. Give it up for PJ Morton. Peace, y'all. Shout out to PJ Morton for taking some time out to kick it with us on the couch. 
Also, shout out to my amazing team. Shout out to Rel, my engineer. Shout out to my writers, just Latasha and Dez. Shout out to Che Mills and LeVan Wright for keeping all the creative things directed. And what is a hero without a theme song? I'm never going to find out because shout out to Call Me Bari of callmebari.com. If you have questions you'd like to submit or current events you think I should talk about, email them before 1 p.m. to quarantinightly at gmail.com. Remember, email them to quarantinightly at gmail.com before 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in order to get them read on air. Remember, we're on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, and all major podcast streaming platforms. And a huge thank you goes out to my sponsors, Anchor and Spotify. Um, Make sure you guys at home subscribe, rate, and comment right now. Subscribe, then rate, then comment right now. I want to know what you're doing while you're commenting, okay? And before we get out of here, you know it's time for the benediction. Listen, last night's episode of Insecure... It showed us what it's like to take a moment to evaluate your value in relationships. Molly's accusation of labeling Issa a user rang like bells in her mind, and Issa got a taste of her own medicine when strangers used her for an entire day. As we maneuver into adulthood and various new spaces in our life, it's imperative we destroy our pedestal of pride and take accountability for how we've affected others as they've experienced us. I mean, I can also take this moment to apply my personal anecdote of releasing old relationships as I've climbed closer towards success. Really, sometimes people who used to know you refuse to let go of the old version of you, keeping their experience of you trapped in an outdated box. Sometimes when old people experience a new you, it triggers their own self-reflection, forcing them to face the areas of themselves in which they refuse to grow. Those are the things I can't be held accountable for. However, It is my responsibility to continue to change myself and curate relationships that feed my goals and my soul. So I ask you this, what current relationship in your life have paid the price to experience the current version of you? And what relationships are beginning to cost too much to keep? But we can't answer those questions until we acknowledge how we're also investing and pouring into those around us. Because love in all forms is a give and take. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, he, she, them, or they, and everyone who falls in between, my name is Mouse Jones. This has been another evening of Quarantine Nightly, and I'm going to ask you as I ask every evening. Please pray for me as I pray for you. Quarantine Nightly.